Welcome to the Top 5, where each week I discuss my top 5 takeaways from the NASCAR race. This week, the Coke Zero 400 at Daytona. Hello and welcome to the Top 5. I am your host, Connor. Thanks so much for tuning in. Where each week I discuss my top five thoughts from the NASCAR race. If you'd like to share your opinions, I would love to hear them. You can find me on Facebook if you just search The Top Five. Look for the NASCAR Cup Series uh, logo. Or on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash The Top Five. And share with me your thoughts. If you agree with me, disagree with me. In any way, I'd love to have a conversation about NASCAR. So this week, the tour rolled into Daytona for the Coke Zero Sugar 400. And here are my top five takeaways from that event. Number one. I think having Daytona as the last race of the regular season is awesome. It is such an intense race already. You end up having drivers on the bubble, having to fight to try and get in. I think the way that the new car, this generation car, races at super speedways is awesome. Everything about this event had me pumped up. Chase Elliott was on the pole. Uh, The only thing that didn't have me pumped up was the weather. The damn rain wouldn't stop. And so they called it on Saturday night and ended up running it Sunday at 10 a.m. Such an odd time. I have to assume that TV had a lot to do with that. Um, TV has pretty much everything to do with all of the scheduling. But I wonder why they didn't run it late into the night. I feel like running it, even starting it at 11 or, or midnight and just running late into the night seemed like a better option. Or at least getting it underway. And Because I was looking at the radar there was a like two, two and a half hour block that they could have dried the track, at least got, you know, an hour, hour and a half of racing in, and then the rain would have come and finished it the next day. I don't understand it. NASCAR has their reasonings. There's lots of things that they do that I don't understand. But I was pumped. I was pumped for Sunday at 8 a.m. Uh, or 10 a.m., um, I wasn't pumped at 8 a.m. on Sunday because I had to set an alarm, wake up early and go to church so I could be home in time to watch the race. But these things happen. Got to put the Lord before racing. Uh, so the race finally got underway, which leads me to my next point. Number two. So the race got underway and was largely uneventful for the most part through the majority of stage one. Larson lost an engine. Uh, so he was out of the race early. He'll be fine. He has enough wins and enough points. He He's going to make it deep into the playoffs. Um, but I feel like cars were trying to feel out the track. You know, they were set up for a night race. Now it's morning time. The track is, is completely green. Uh, you know, a lot to feel out. But as points are so desperately needed... At the end of stage one, the racing got ramped up. There was a pretty pretty decent-sized wreck that unfortunately caught Blaney up in it. And then right after the wreck, he said on the radio, his steering was messed up. Huge bummer for him. He had a, a lead over Truex, but if he wasn't able to continue, his chance to make the playoffs were all but done. 
Thankfully, they were able to fix it. It was definitely not a competitive car, but he was able to uh, to compete. That ra- uh, that wreck, by the way, it was caused by the 11 pushing the 43. Just trying to get ahead. I'm sure Racer McHorseface will try and say it's not his fault. I'm I'm sure that nothing in his life ever has been his fault. But, uh, you know, he was pushing the 43, got into the wrong part of him. Right in the in the front of the field. Luckily, more cars weren't caught up in that. And I think that's a phrase I'm going to say a lot. Uh, that led to a one-lap shootout for Stage 1, which was won by Joey Logano. Uh, and then a bunch of drivers didn't pit at the end of Stage 1, which really changed the field a lot. It, it I think Logano won Stage 1 and started 17th stage two because of the amount of cars that didn't pit also if you're a regular listener to this podcast you you know how much i rag on nbc for their terrible coverage but one thing that they had that was cool was the playoff bubble at the bottom of the uh standings they had a a continuous playoff bubble i thought that was pretty cool i found my eyes um going towards that a lot uh, later in stage two, there was green flag pit stops, which were nuts. Typically at Daytona, uh, the, the manufacturers will pit together and the Toyotas did go. And then the next lap, all of the Fords and Chevy, basically the entire rest of the field, green flag pit stopped at the same time. It was pretty wild to see. To watch a giant pack of cars coming out of the pits while the Toyotas on the High Line were looked like they were gonna to go by them, but they end up just catching up and and racing together. They did get by, but they didn't get away. I guess I should say. Um, and then Kyle Busch won Stage Two, but something else happened at the end of Stage Two. Coming to the green flag, the green checkered flag, Hamlin slowed down to allow the 19 to pass him, uh, which Logano was behind Hamlin and wasn't able to get out of the way. So I believe uh, Truex passed both of them for more stage points. And I think that that is flat out cheating. I think it's wrong. I think NASCAR should fine Hamlin. I think they should send a stern message to all the teams that... I know that you're a team, but competitive nature is important and trying to rig what happens is just plain wrong. That really, really ticked me off. But not a lot you can do about it. I guess NASCAR says it's okay, so I guess every other team's going to start doing it because that's what you do. Let's move on to stage number three. Number three. So stage three started and Logano got off to the lead. Seemed to have the best car all day, honestly. He he was constantly working his way back up to the front, running with the lead cars. We've learned in this next-gen car that whoever seems to have the dominant car almost never wins the actual race. But as a fan, I was so happy to see my guy up there, especially with how intense the racing was. Uh, to have your driver up front where he's more than likely not going to get caught up in it is always a a big-time bonus. Uh, With 58 laps to go, there was another big wreck. 
Uh, Reddick got into the bumper of McDowell at the front of the field. And again, luckily more cars were not uh, caught up in that wreck. However, Martin Truex was caught up in that wreck. And he was running mid-pack and got in an argument with his crew chief after the wreck. Now, drivers are emotional by nature. They're competitors and they're fierce. But his crew chief basically told him to shut up and that he was, I think he said stupid. I can't exactly remember. I should look it up. Uh, I think that that is just the most, I think that Truex should fire his crew chief right now. You can't have crew chiefs talking down to drivers on the track. The driver is the face of the team and um, millions of people are listening. They played it over the NBC broadcast, but there's tons of people with scanners and um, it, it did not end up making radioactive, surprisingly. You want to have team meetings, closed door meetings where things get heated and words are said. It's fine. That's that's necessary sometimes. But to do it publicly like that, I think was a shame. And I think that um, I think that Truex's struggles, along with what appears to be a unfriendly environment, shows that there needs to be a change in um, in leadership on that team. That's just my opinion. That said, uh, in that heated exchange or in that wreck, the guys in the booth, Latart and Burton, really got after it about where Truex was. He should not have been in the middle of the pack. He should have been in the back, riding around, just trying to collect points. And Latart and Burton got into it, and later Latart did agree that uh, Burton was right. And you know what? It was it was friendly heated. It was a good conversation. It was good good TV. It was worth worth listening to. Um, and then with 48 to go, it was becoming clear that the rain was coming and the intensity wrapped up big time. And this is why I think that Daytona is the best final race of the, uh, of the regular season, not because of the rain, but because when intensity heats up at Daytona, it is insane. It is the best racing to watch. I could watch it all day. It is so exciting. And who's going to go where? Um, that lasted for about 12 laps. Uh, with 36 to go, Briscoe was spun at the front of the field. Bowman was pushing him. Again, just these, these drivers are pushing other drivers. And you're off by an inch, and the car just goes right into the wall. Uh, and this is another example. Front of the field, lucky that more cars were not caught up in it. 43, uh, oh, I'm sorry, later, a few laps a after on the restart, the 43 got spun out, collecting the 22. I believe it was Haley uh, and a couple other drivers stayed out on that caution. Drivers that shouldn't be at the front of the field aren't capable of running with the big boys when the intensity wraps up make stupid mistakes and take good drivers out. And that really, really, really put a damper on my day. 
I thought the 22 had a shot. He'll be fine. He'll make the playoffs, and, and I think he's second or third in playoff standing, so everything will be just fine. But that really chaps my ass to see lesser talented drivers ruining the day of more talented drivers. Uh, with 24 to go, I think that this is a wreck that we're going to be talking about for a long, long, long time. The entire field went into turn one and immediately spun into the wall. It was raining. Uh, the yellow should have been out. Somehow Austin Dillon got through, took the lead. But the the yellow should have been out. And I, I'm not going to go on with this because I my next takeaway is all about this. So after a long rain delay, they finally resumed the race with the 12 or so cars that were able to run. Uh, and Austin Dillon won the race. Congrats to him. Great plate cup or super speedway driver. I don't think they do plates anymore. Uh, he won, which made Truex out of the playoffs. Blaney made it on points. I do appreciate what Blaney said, or I'm sorry, Truex said after the race when he was told he missed it by three points. He said it wasn't just three points. It was all season. We gave up way too many points. Uh, I, I think that's a, a mature way of, of handling that. Uh, I was a little bummed. Uh, I thought Austin Dillon always slid through the grass with his team when he won. If he did, I just didn't see him do it. Uh, so that was the end of the race. It was a very exciting ending that Austin Dillon won. But I want to I want to expand more on that the caution at, with 24 to go when it was raining. Number four. The fact that the entire field or most of the field was wrecked due to rain is an absolute embarrassment from for NASCAR. Absolute embarrassment uncalled for and the problem isn't just that it happened it's that this isn't the first time it happened drivers were screaming on the radio that there's rain there's a video that's circling uh just search it on any any media site any social media site there's a fan in the stands recording the race on his cell phone and you can clearly see it's raining i understand that daytona is a large track but NASCAR cannot allow this. At the speeds the drivers are going, it is dangerous. Dangerous at tracks like Daytona or Talladega if there's rain coming. And Daytona is such a large track that it can be sunny on one side and storming on the other. And again, this isn't the first time it's happened. Drivers are livid. I would assume that team owners are livid. The cost of the cars is controlled by NASCAR. They, this next-gen car is you order pieces uh, and you piece it together. Every part is a NASCAR-approved and price-controlled part, which is how lesser-than teams in this generation car can afford to compete. So is, if NASCAR is going to handle the piecing together cars that way, that's fine. I've been a, a huge fan of the next-gen car. But you have to respect the team's financial situation by not allowing them to wreck like they did. 
And this is the highest level of competition in motorsports. To not have sensors or people, not at every track, but at Daytona, Talladega, to have somebody down there, even, you know, 500 feet away from each turn so that they can stop the race prior to the rain actually reaching the track is genuinely insulting to NASCAR drivers, to NASCAR teams, and to NASCAR fans. We were robbed of a finish of that race that could have been outstanding if it weren't for the fact that NASCAR completely dropped the ball and allowed that wreck to happen. I was beside myself when it happened, and I thought, I need a few days to cool down and do some research before I, I really start talking poorly about NASCAR. And unfortunately, everything that I can find is just, I'm dumbfounded by it. So I'll, I'll stop beating a dead horse, but NASCAR should be embarrassed, and they owe us an apology. Number five. All right, number five. Looking forward to next race is the Southern 500. It's always a treat. I love the Southern 500. It's one of the gems of NASCAR. I believe you get a ring for winning this race. Uh, and with it being a playoff race, that should ramp up the intensity. Although it does seem, since the more recent changes uh, in the way that they do the playoffs, the rest of the field doesn't really matter. They don't really try as hard. The uh, the 16 playoff drivers will be at it, and the rest of the field will kind of just be taking laps. But that's fine. It will still be exciting to watch. Uh, I'm going to do something different for the remainder of the season. Each week, I will predict the winner of the race as well as predict the first four out of the playoffs. In each round, I'll predict uh, who I think is going to be out at the end of that round. Uh, So this week, I will predict the winner of Alex Bowman. Based on nothing and for no reason. I just feel like Alex Bowman is going to get a win this week. And my first first four out, my prediction is Dylan Suarez, Reddick, and Christopher Bell will be out at the end of these three races. We do the Southern 500 at Darlington, uh, the Fall Kansas race, and then the Bristol Night race is the cutoff. What a cool cutoff race, too. I had the honor of going to that race a couple of years ago, and it might have been the coolest race that I've ever been to. Um, I did, however, just receive uh, the the uh, guarantee that I am going to next year's Daytona 500. To say that I'm excited might be the biggest understatement possibly ever. It has been a dream of mine to watch the 500 in person and I get to do it next year and I'm, I'm over the moon excited, but back to the task at hand. Southern 500 will be won by Alex Bowman. Bet your house on it. If you win, trip me off 10%. If you lose, you probably shouldn't have bet that much. Anyways, that's on you. 
and I predict that Dylan, Suarez, Reddick, and Bell will be the first four out of the playoffs. So before I go, if you want to share your thoughts about what I had to say, search the top five. Look for the NASCAR logo, Cup Series logo, the top five on Facebook. Comment on my post. Share with me your thoughts. I'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, Also, patreon.com forward slash the top five. And let's have a fun conversation about NASCAR. I look forward to chat with you next week. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Top 5, and I'm Connor.